Welcome back, everybody, to a fantastically cold episode of the Be Better podcast. We are, uh, uh, I think we're broadcasting from negative double digits. I think we're actually in the 20s right now. Uh, huge cold snap, which has caused uh, myself to go into a violent need to get something out of my body that is creative, and that is the Be Better podcast. And there's no better person to get something out violently than my friend, Devin Palmer. Devin Palmer, Remax results. Oh, not 100% sure about the tone of that intro I just got. I don't know. I, I'm not 100% sure that you that you need to pimp yourself every time you're here, but it's, uh, it is what I, I uh, that is the bargain I make, isn't it? It really is. It is. It's what I, it's what I pay for. So, uh, Dev, today we got a really cool show. I think, you know, if you look at the historical stats of the Be Better podcast, the most listened to episode as of today, um, begrudgingly, it's not any of yours. Excuse me? Um, yeah, it has not been. But you might be a part of the mm-hmm. the most listened to episode moving forward because prior to today, the most listened to episode has been... Oh, I, I take that back. Nicole Curtis's have been by far and above because she has a ginormous fan base. So those are way up there. Nicole Curtis with an HGTV show. Now... Yeah, she's back at it. To, I expect to have better numbers than her soon because I have a fake HGTV show, Ben and Devin House Seven. Yeah, I saw that. But you got to go out and buy a whole bunch of Instagram followers, which I saw in sixty minutes. How you can do, by the way, if you want to do that, we can talk offline. Um, but oh no, before, it's easy. I have. Oh, I'm sure you have. Yeah, they, all it, these fake Russian bots are now following you. Yeah, it's only like ten bucks for five hundred. Oh, geez, that's just terrible. I, I'm not going to go there. I need real friends. Um, but. Uh, Kevin O'Connor has been one of the biggest, uh, most widely listened to episodes that we've ever had, and I think that probably has to do with the fact that Dev or that uh, that Kevin um, represented so much and kind of like just kind of disappeared. And I don't want to say disappeared because he didn't like you know he. I mean, went, he helped build the entire sport in this state for fifteen years. Arguably, yes. Yeah. Arguably, he was. Um, I, I would say he was the the catalyst for triathlon's growth. And uh, the one of the biggest champions of the sport uh, and supporters, definitely. And then when he re- when he left Gear West Bike and Try, nobody kind of knew what, what was happening. Like Fun's what up. happened? What happened? Like there was a huge thing. And sitting down in that schoolhouse and talking with him was, for me, so much fun. Uh, but for everybody, I think it was like a window into what happened because he's he's not a guy that's going to go knock on your door and say, "Hey, what's up?" You know, he's tending the horses. He's with his kids, and so. Um, but today we got a bigger one. Possibly. Possibly bigger. Ooh, Ooh I don't know. The biggest. It could be the biggest. So uh, we're going to be bringing on the phone. And, and this is as unreachable as Kevin is. Kevin is a talker. He loves stories and he loves, you know, he does love connecting with people. And Kevin does talk in stories. Yep. He doesn't actually have a conversation. He talks in stories. He's like a, he's like a wizard. He just happens to be a little bit of a recluse because they live a little further out west. Um but our guest today is the get. He's the most unreachable man in America. When you said we should talk to him, I was like, no way. Like, okay, I'm like, like, sure. But first of all, how how do you like how are you gonna get a hold of him? And second of all, what makes you think he's gonna talk to us? I mean, we both know him and have for a long time, but why? You know, it's like I, I just thought it was a just such a ridiculous toss-up. And then all of a sudden you text me, and it's like we got him. It's like when it's like when Obama said, you know, about Bin Laden. Yeah. We got him. We got him, ladies and gentlemen. We got him. To be clear, we did not have this guest killed. No, no, no. He is fully alive. Yes, fully alive. Going to be calling in um, from an undisclosed location. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, 
And we're not disclosing it only because we don't actually know where he is. That's 100% true. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're just lucky this is going to happen. Um, but DKT. David Kennedy Thompson. Unbelievable. I'm so excited. I got so many questions. So many questions. Minnesota triathlete of the century so far. You could arguably say that, that, uh, that David was, is the best triathlete that the state has produced. All-timer. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I would say it's, that's, I don't know that anybody has come close. There, has, there were, you know, you might have, Schiller might, might argue it. He might put up the longevity piece for himself to make the argument. I'm sure Jared would probably, you know, say that he did some, some good things in his day. I think, David, you could say without argument is the best as long as you don't count Ruth Brennan Mori or Heather Lundway. As long as they're out of the conversation, yeah. it's David. I think so. If they're like, in the conversation, he's a solid top three. He is. And, and, and I think if you went with like the number of records that he set, I mean, Ruth, w- Ruth is definitely like definitely up there, but I don't know that she was as dominant as David was for as long. Oh, no. D- and the, but, but also argument could be made that, 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 that women in our sport don't have the same lifespan as men. Many things take them out of the game. So that, that, that could be said. If you, if you look at, because if you looked at the top five, like look at Team Minnesota for, for so many years. Mm-hmm. The, the, I mean, I look back in 2005 and some of the men are still there. Like you see your Dave Dows, you see your Tony Schillers. Like those guys are arguably still in that, that, that pantheon. But, um, but a lot of the, like Becky Youngberg, she's finally come back, which is awesome to see. Um, but, you know, she, was, she, was a, she ruled the roost, Kathy, and then they're kind of gone. Becky... Becky's career, she predated my career and then was, I think she was coming back as I was checking out. Yeah, so I never saw her in her first chapter of her career. And now she's racing. Is she, she's racing fast again, right? She's racing. She's racing. Yeah. I don't know that she's um, as dominant as she was before, probably because I would say maybe some of the focus has changed. Um, age has happened, you know. Um, when you're living an adult life, you can't. Well, she's got kids. Yeah. I mean, kids kids ruin your life. It's 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 a scientific fact. You you can experience that. You can attest. Hundred percent. You can attest to that at this point. My in life time. is in shambles. It's a terrible thing. You know, your pro career went way down when you first way thought about down. you should have a kid. <laughs> and, way down. Um, there was a five year delta, but I totally blame the end of my pro career on my child. Oh, absolutely. I I blame my downfalls on all my children. That's mm-hmm. like there's. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stand up to my own things. It's no way. No way. Um, but that that is. I think when you have children, it is different for men than women. And if you look at even at a higher level of pro career, look at um, Rinda Carfrey, um, you know, dominant in the sport, uh, decided when her and Tim decided they were going to have a child, you know, she had to step back that has a physical physical change in you. So there's things that you have to adapt and overcome. But also you change your, I think, your perspective where you're not pursuing the highest level of sport. You're pursuing motherhood. And that, and like the, the biologically, that changes your mindset. I think because you, until you have kids, you don't understand how kids change your priority and perspective of the world. You know, the littlest things that might seem irre- irrelevant now become huge priorities. Crossing the road, buckling your seatbelt, strangers at Walmart, mm-hmm. simply going to Walmart. You know, all those things just really change your perspective. Now, in case anyone is upset with anything that Chris is saying, I just want to make it clear. I do not endorse any of his remarks or comments on any gender issue. Yeah, because Devin is is endorsed by Walmart. That's why. I have a 
pretty lucrative deal going with Walmart. He is. He's sponsored by Walmart. He's the only you know realtor sponsored by Walmart. Why don't you save the motherhood destroys your athletic career conversation? I did not a, say motherhood destroys your athletic career. You and I career. are fathers. Quit putting I don't. Work. I don't feel comfortable to comment. So I'm going to let you have that separate conversation with another co-host. Don't You don't mansplain me, okay? Don't mansplain me. I'm just saying what I've seen. I'm saying what I have have uh, understood with with female athletes and and how I've uh, I've seen my life change and how you have. So, all right, we'll stop uh, stop talking about that. But anyways, DKT's coming on. The point of that diatribe, that whole was, thing, kind of came from the fact our that our old we're friend to, David is coming. We're d- building up the, the David conversation, so um, so we'll the, he'll be coming on the show in a little bit later. Um, Devin, recently we have both kind of rolled our eyes, and I think the collective cycling world has at the another uh, inclusion into the ridiculous list of cycling rules that have been um, have been enlisted by the UCI. For a sport that is plagued with a lot of complicated and important issues, Doping, the governing body money is only concerned. They're just making the pettiest, least impactful rule changes. I, I mean, is it just make work to look like they're doing something? Well, so let's look at some. Let, let, before we talk about the, what what they actually did, let's let's go back on some of the even more ridiculous rules that have been put in. Um, you could argue that that the only good rule they actually did put in was that an aero helmet had to actually be a helmet and not just a fairing. Safety, common sense. I get it. Makes you go a little bit slower, but it could save somebody's life. Fair, fair, fair. fair. Yep. Okay. Socks can't be too tall. They have a height limit. Mm, mm. Is there a, is there a performance issue here? Are we just screwing with people? What that- do you think? It's so, I mean, it's, it's very silly to be measuring athletes' sock height. I can see, because cycling is so driven by style and flair, like it's, it's a bigger factor with that sport than uh, triathlon. Triathletes have no flair. Mm-hmm. Um, but was it meant, well, I, I, I want to know, was it a dig at somebody in particular? Much like how they dug Graham O'Brien in, uh, in his bike, his homemade bike, yep. and also his kind of invention of the Superman position. It's hard to say. I think they look at like a guy like Chris Froome. If you put compression socks on Chris Froome and he's winning the tour because he has a motor in his bike and he's juiced out of his brains. Allegedly. Allegedly. These are, but, the, these are the viewpoints of Devin Palmer to not reflect uh, Be Better Podcast, Final K, or Chris Worthout. So he's, he looks even worse. He looks horrible on a bike as it is. And it's, I mean, he just looks bad, right? He looks better running with a bike. He looks, he looks better off. So if you put compression socks on that guy, and then he's winning, and then some other rides pick it up, um, and it spreads throughout the peloton, suddenly you have a really bad look on all of your athletes on the peloton in the tour, and it looks bad on TV, and it's a bad look. And I think for the protection of their brand as a sport, it was that may have been a defensible move just to protect the brand. And when you're saying compression socks, you're talking about like what Andy Potts wears when he races Ironman and spills Coca Cola all of them. But I'm talking about the fact that they could not have socks over four inches tall. That's not a compression sock. Like that's not a compression yep. sleeve because cyclists, I don't think, would ever go that far. I'm I'm just saying I could see if you took it to the extreme and everyone was wearing compression socks and no one could, everyone just looked really bad. You could see how it would damage the sport. Visually. Visually. Beyond some of the 
ungodly, ugly jerseys that have ever been out and, and endorsed by mm-hmm. different teams. Yeah, that's true. Um, the rule that we're kind of talking about and we haven't talked about yet is the banning of forearms on the top bar in like a kind of like quasi aero tuck position, which has been the signature of every breakaway yeah, uh, you go from on the every break, Peloton. You look for that little extra ounce of efficiency. You drop down forearms on the handlebars. It's, yep. It's been pretty common over and it hasn't been and it has not been the result of any crashes, injuries, or accidents. And the reason that it's been changed because they also changed they they outlawed the Froom Tuck, the, the, the Froom Euro Froom Euro Tuck, which the Froom Tuck, by the way, is suicide for anybody who is going to try it. It's that's a defensible banning, only in the trickle down theory. Like, oh, if amateurs start trying to do this and kill themselves, that's yeah, bad. Exactly. But I would say that the arms on the four the, the forearms on the top bar are something I do, and I'm not a pro, and I've never really had an issue. I mean, I could see where maybe you get a little bit sweaty. Maybe, but it's all core stability. Is there, do they have any data to point to to back up their decision? According to Velo News, they have none. According to Velo News, they have okay. not correlated any data, safety or otherwise, to show why this has been done. It's going to result in slower times. I don't know if it's, it's, if it's trying to equalize the playing field, because all you're going to harm is you're going to harm guys in the break. You're going to harm guys that are, uh, that are you know, drilling the front in a headwind. You know, they can't get low. And you could say they could just go in the drops and bring their arms in, but it is a bit of relaxing position, and it is kind of that simulated time trial position. Um, I think that there has to be somebody somewhere said, we need to penalize somebody or we need to equalize the field. That's why we're doing this. They, they, they can't say that it's for safety. Yeah, I just don't get it. So, I mean, what was so... Because in that sport, having... A field of appropriately skilled athletes Mm -hmm. is probably top for safety, and then the course selection is probably equal at the top for safety. Like, are there? Am I wrong to think those are the biggest factors? No, I think safety has always been the thing. Like, if you look at uh, uh, dish depth on a uh, on a wheel Mm -hmm. that you know that not in a not not a time trial, they have to be under sixty millimeters. You know, so that is uh, so that's that's safety because crosswinds can affect, and and especially in a peloton, that's going to be in a safety issue. Um, the banning of front wheel discs, also safety issue, though that can't be. That was there one time, and they banned those. That's a safety issue, yes, but I don't see how this becomes a safety issue because the other ones I can see, and you can actually track that there were accidents that were caused. This there's not ever been a single accident that I can remember or that I've seen suggested that has been the result of this rule to be formulated. Hmm. So um, thinking about that, what would be something that they would be able to do to even go above and beyond this? More ridiculous. What would be the next thing that you would start to ban? I think they're going to get to the point where they're banning uh, out-of-the-saddle efforts. So your your butt has to be on the saddle 100% of the race. Never, never allowed to climb. No more climbing, no more full sprints. Well, and would you could you, make the defense. Sprinting, how many catastrophic sprint crashes have absolutely. we seen? Absolutely. Okay, and that's all because they're too aggressive and they're getting out of the seat. Well, we need to keep those fannies on the saddles, and we'll have some safety. And then we're going to see the mountain bike saddles that are, that are hydraulically released. <laughs> Dropper posts. Dropper posts <laughs> are now going to be put on are going to be put on road bikes so that when you want to get up, they move back and forth, or there might be like a spring in there so they can kind of swing back and forth. Yeah, okay, getting up on the saddle, that would be a good one. Um, banning of gloves, because gloves are just 
No they, more they, gloves. Yeah, no more gloves. They're just they shouldn't be there. They make your hands even more slippery. You lose like your snot gets on there. That could be bacteria. I, that I, could be spreading of disease. Okay. I think we need to ban gloves. They're a major major health concern. We definitely need to ban gloves. I also think we need to ban tubulars. You know. I just think that they, uh, you don't know what's going on there. You don't know what's going to be inside there. There could be like some sort of filling. There could be, you could make them solid so nobody ever gets a. Who knows what's inside? Exactly. Tubulars. Tubulars. The next, the next secret doping. There's going to be little squirrels inside there that are kind of propelled. They're kind of running. You know, little hamsters, baby hamsters. There's baby hamsters inside tubulars. I'm just going to go out there and say that happens. That's it. You didn't hear it from me, but you will hear it in an online report coming next month. Baby hamsters have been fueling Chris Broom's whole career. <laughs> Where are the baby hamsters? Uh, Pino, he had Pinarello custom build them into the frame. Oh, and they were working inside there like he was a working big giant inside. robot. Maybe Froom's a big giant robot, and the hamsters are running him. Oh, it's like it's like a Kia commercial, except for they're not fat hamsters. They're going to have to be really super fit small hamsters. Someone shared a YouTube video of Chris Froom. Doing his five minute video, it was him reviewing his new bike because he's on a um, uh, he's on a new team for this coming season. It was the a factor, which is some you know pretty random brand. I think they're based out of the UK. So he's reviewing his sponsored bike. Yep. Okay. Not only is it low production value and it's Chris Froome, so it's very dull, <laughs> but <laughs> he openly is saying like this is a not uh, I have real problems with this and this and this aspect of the bike like. He makes comments about how bad disc brakes are and how he doesn't like them. He makes comments about how the uh, handlebar is flimsy. You know, their custom in-house brand handlebar. Oh, so it's like he's being honest, but it's like, Chris, you're not paid to be honest. No, no. Nobody really wants to know what you say. No. No one cares your opinion. No, just say something nice and it's, oh, it rides like a dream. It's, yeah. I mean, it's much like it's Kim so Kardashian. I don't so want to but so comfortable. Yeah. I don't want to know what Kim Kardashian thinks about anything. You know, just endorse a brand. Just say some nice things about it. I don't know. I don't want to know your opinions. It's it's yeah. I would maybe it's not a direct result. Well, actually, I respect Kim's opinions. I mean, have you seen the business wait, empire wait, wait. she has built? Yeah. On what though? Listen, the if you go to the basis and the foundation, okay, not great, but look, <laughs> you have to respect. I respect that Kardashians a hundred times more than Chris Froome. Do you think they bought their their Instagram followers? Hard to say, actually. Mm. They certainly could afford it, but they're also, they've, that is a good question. How many of theirs are real and how many are phony? I know. I mean, now probably there's more real ones than none, but, you know, in the beginning, did they, did they start doing that? Juice, juice the numbers a little bit. Juice the numbers. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Mm. In that family, I would say that unfortunate brother, Rob, maybe... The others probably have earned good followings, but maybe Rob would be the one who's feeling a little self-conscious about a low follower. Yeah, he, 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 yeah. I don't know. I'd be, that'd be a tough family to be a part of. No. Speaking of the Kardashians, while I'm here, I should mention... Oh, Jesus. I should mention that I have started my own podcast, the Cycling Dads Podcast, of which you have already committed to be a guest. I have. I have. It's myself and my co-host, Aaron Thomas-Smith. We Never heard of him. Great guy. I'm sure. Less hair than you. Not hard to do. Less kids than you. He only has two. Oh, okay. Okay, so he's only 50% of your stats. Okay. But, good guy, we uh, we chat and we're publishing every Monday. The Cycling Dads Podcast. 
And we're just talking to dads, see how uh, how they fit cycling into their life as a dad. Because mm-hmm. uh, it is, everyone has a different approach. Um, everyone has different motivations. But I, most of us feel on balance. It's, it's a positive to keep cycling around at some level uh, once you become a papa. So is there a limit that I should put on how many things you can pimp when you come here? Because I, I feel like it's, I feel like things are growing now. Okay, good podcast. I'm sure it's going to be good. I'm excited to be a part of it. You know, I think it's got good content. I've participated in the user group uh, a couple of times. I've, I'm in a, and I've been in the Cool Dad Cycling Club. You mean? I I, I, I believe I'm an honorary member. I, I believe I've, I've been involved in a couple of hashtags. Yep. So um, Cool so, Dad Cycling Club, our podcast, the Cycling Dads <laughs> podcast. Yeah, Devin Palmer you... Remax results. MSPmoves.com. <laughs> All right. I, All right. I have not promoted my digital marketing business, Anderson Palmer. No, you have Nope, you have not. Not yet. Not yet. Um, let's let's take a break here for a second, and let's try and get our uh, our, our good friend Dave, uh, David on the phone. So um, we'll take a break here for a second, and we will be right back. All right, and we are back. We uh, so we have uh, reached into the wayback machine. We've jumped out of the TARDIS. Um, this is an exclusive. This is an exclusive. This is an elusive individual. Elusive. Exclusive. He is laconic. I would say this is this is going to be uh, up there with tracking down Sasquatch. I I don't disagree. This is uh, DKT David Kennedy Thompson. How are you? Welcome to the Be Better Podcast. I am excellent. I'm enduring the cold weather and. Minnesota, um, and just surviving, you know, glad to be alive. That's awesome, man. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's been a while since, uh, since we've talked and I think it's been longer since you and I have, uh, have jammed on, um, guitar hero as well. I think that was, uh, one of the last times we were, we were hanging out, we were having an epic guitar battle. Uh, and that does timestamp it. That it's does totally many, time. many years ago was but that cool. Oh God, that was. I was awesome. just saying. I was just thinking. My my kids are now on a Guitar Hero. There you are. See, that's the thing. My kids are now thinking Guitar Hero is the stupidest thing in the world. So, because um, they're playing. I mean, they're back into Minecraft. So, um, but enough about that. David, how have you, have you been? Well, you're uh, you're you're doing well. You're you're you just said you're in Minnesota. Um, is uh, what what's kind of what's what's been going on the last couple of years? How have you, how have you been? I, I saw you're you're back racing a little bit. And uh, kind of getting back into the sport, I actually have been um, watching you and um, and Lars doing the uh, the new swim run um, sport. Is that how is, is that something that uh, that you guys are going to continue doing um, in the next year? So as, as uh, races start to come back, uh, yeah, I would love to do more swim run. Uh, Lars and I did that in 2016, so time does fly by. Uh, when Lars had just started up uh, his race in his uh, inaugural event in Maine, in Casco Bay. So I went out there and helped him, got out the course, lay out the course. Um, his first year he did it. Um, that race is still going on. It's uh, been a big success for him, and it has a lot of community support behind it there um, in Portland, Maine. So, yeah, I would love to do that race again. And later, and that year, he and I also uh, went and did the uh, Otillo World Championships, the you know the equivalent to the Ironman in Hawaii for swim run, uh, seventy-five 
75 kilometers in total. Um, if I remember correctly, the, the, the English distances would be nine miles total swimming and four, 40-ish miles of running. I, I'm a little <laughs> bit rusty on that, but. Wow. Um, Tell is that like it's a, a monster. Is that 10, 15 hours? How long of a day is that? Um, so we, we did it in just under 10, nine, nine fifty something. Wow. Um, neither of us were ready for that. It was, uh, we hadn't really trained for it. We kind of connected at the end of the year. I'd come across it and hit up some of my sponsors. Like, how do I get into this race? Do you have an in? Are you sponsoring it? And Lars's name came up and they're like, Oh, we know this guy. And I was like, Oh, I know Lars. I'll just call Lars. Um, and he had done it the year before on a, Basically, he was over there covering it for um, the magazine. In, I forget who he was working for at that time. Mm. And someone got sick. And once you're on the island, uh, it starts going island. You know, it's pretty hard to find a backup or an alternate. So this guy was desperate and was like, I need someone to race with, you know. Yeah. And I said, I'll do it. And so he did it uh, with this other guy who just needed a, a partner. Um, got himself a slot for the following year. Um, so this is uh, qualification in a race like that. For and me. I also had to, I also had to do his race. And so the, um, the organizer would be like, okay, this guy's legit. He can race with you. And, uh, yeah, we had a blast, uh, nice. but it was over, over what we had trained for. Um, both of us had talked before and I had a bad knee at the time. I was like, Oh, I can probably make it for about, four hours and then my knee is going to get out and he's like, Oh, that's okay. Uh, I'll probably cramp up at about four hours too. And which has happened during the race, but towards the end, we had made it three quarters of the way through before we both started to fall apart. And then we, <laughs> we cheered on people as they ran by us. Um, but it was fun. We got to be in the lead. So we, we got our TV time. Uh, one regret is we were, Lars was swimming really well. So we came on to the, uh, the Island with the first sprint frame. And I was trying to encourage Lars to just go for it. And he wanted to play the political games. He was still playing the long game. I think he still had uh, oh. mm-hmm. illusions of grandeur. And he's like, oh, we don't want to mess it. You don't want to piss these guys off, you know, because we want to stay and be politically connected and do the right thing and not piss anyone off. And I was like, oh, let's just go for it. And then after, at the end, you know, after we had fell on, fallen apart and they were doing the award ceremony, he's like, oh, why didn't we go for it? <laughs> we didn't want to go for it. <laughs> Like we could have got our two hundred fifty dollars and a huge check and stood up in front of everyone, but oh. we wanted to like ah, oh, we better better hang back. We wanna, well, <laughs> we had a good time. Let somebody else have a have the glory there. Um, yeah, it, I've never done that style of race before, but I'm always curious as to like when you went into it outside of the not being trained, probably to the distance and having a bit of injury. What are some of the bigger challenges that people have to try and overcome um, when they're gonna get into that race format? Um, the bigger challenges would just be the, un, you know, the unknown of what's going to happen and what, to, what you want to bring with you because the rules are still fairly simple in that sport. You can bring the kitchen sink with you if you want. You can bring a surfboard. The problem is you just got to carry the surfboard. Oh, so the sport is, is still evolving. I think it's kind of settled on a minimalist is the best way to go. But when they first did this race, people would bring a surfboard with like a little bike on it and then like fans and <laughs> put the surfboard on the bike, ride the bike, you know, along the Island, but it's very off road. So when you get to, a, you know, a trail section, like trying to push a bike through cattails, you know, 
like, this is taking forever. Oh, my God. And that um, sport. So there's still some guys who take fins. They'll partner up with fins. So one guy will have fins, jump in the water with a tow line, and then he'll start putting on the fins where that guy starts to swim to, like, pull the guy putting the fins on and then flip-flop. Okay. Kind of make it a little bit more continuous. But um, as the as people, more people get in and it gets more competitive, the need, need to do that is um, – reduced just because of people at the same ability being around each other, the draft makes up for it. So for example, that, that team, Lars and I scouted out, not down the beach further on the first swim and got into the lead. These guys caught up to us, but we we're just able to draft off them carrying fins. And then when you get to land, they have to stop, take off their fins. And then they basically fell off because of those transit, the transition, 26 transitions, oh, something what? like that. Uh, and you're allowed island, to so. use uh you're allowed to swim with hand paddles, right? You can yeah, you can bring whatever you want. Okay, so like, I am officially interested in that sport. It's paddle it's paddle and pull buoy, man. This is this is That my is game. how I live my life. That is all I'm interested <laughs> in. I I don't oh, yeah. Lars Yeah. Lars was very good at paddles. He was like, This is what I do. Where for me, we had swam the day before as a practice and I was like, Oh, I was worried he's going to be a little bit faster than me in the water. And I was like, oh, I'm way faster than him without paddles. And you put paddles on him. And he's like, oh, and my shoulders would give out. I'm like, okay, I can hardly pull anymore. Almost all so, of my... Yeah, it, is, it is different. Almost all of my PRs I set in master swimming in 2013, pull paddles from 200, every distance from basically 200 to 1,500. It's great. That's, that, that's all I do now. That's my, all I do. Just pull, pull paddles. Like yeah, why, yeah. why kick? All I do is cramp, yeah. and it just goes slow. There's no need to it. How else am I going to make the intervals? There's no way. Now, David, <laughs> we know you as Mr. Triathlete, Mr. Illustrious Professional Triathlete, and you were probably the only triathlete from our state, or in the state who stayed here, um, who actually made a living of it, because I certainly did not. My peak year was about $3,000 of income from the sport. So you and where that who 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 helped you uh, get that level of sponsorship? I just want to just just understand. Uh, I had good friends, friends yeah, at the have, top, friends, have, in, friends in high places. You had good management, in other words. I had friends in high places. Uh, I was Chris Swarthout Management Organization. Uh, <laughs> Final K. Final K Sporting. Professional triathlete. All right, continue. Okay, so you you had a arguably, and Chris and I were arguing about this earlier. Arguably, the most illustrious of careers in our sport uh, in the state, and you moved on. You're now like a full-fledged adult. Talk to us about adulthood, post-triathlon. Um, post-triathlon. Um, one more, before we move on topics, I was going to say, if anyone does get a chance to do the Attila race in Sweden, I uh, would definitely recommend it. It's uh, a bucket list race. It's beautiful. And, uh, yeah, probably never going to get an experience like that again. So let's, definitely, let's, if you're given the opportunity, yeah, take advantage of it. Let's pimp Lars's race too, since we're at it. Do you, do you know the, the name of it? Oh, and the and uh, Casco Bay. There we um, go. It is if you need a tune-up race, it's very similar. Close thing you get to similarity to the Otillo race. So if you wanted to do a prep race and then that race, that's the order I would do it in. And Maine is very beautiful. Portland, Maine is gorgeous. Yeah, it's no, yeah, it's no. it's it's beautiful. All right, so continue. But as Sorry. far as adulthood. Um, You know, I, I I ran my my profession or career as, as a triathlete. I tried to run it as a business. So 
one of the things I look back on it as it was successfully managing in a business and looking at um, how to run it efficiently. So I was happy with how that went and that I did make a living at it. Um, I was able, the, the house, the mortgage was paid off before I quit racing the sport. So thankfully I kind of made that transition while I was, uh, was racing. And I had, yeah, I'm trying to think, yeah, you're two kids before I fully transitioned out. So it did afford me being self-employed to be flexible and stay at home uh, with uh, my two boys. And that is one of the, uh, I think I'll look back as one of the treasures or high points of, uh, of my life and one of the benefits of being a self-employed uh, person racing as a professional triathlete. There was a lot of keys, but, I think, that, that fell in your... In, in in your wheelhouse there, I mean, you know, working at Gear West that was and having the support of Kevin was was definitely key. I think, and would you say in brand management and sponsorship? Yeah, that was uh, a key point. Yeah, getting getting connected with Gear West at the right, you know, and also the right time. The triathlon was exploding in Minnesota when I got into it, um, so that was there's potential upside, and then getting to know people in the industry. Uh, through my connections at Care West was also instrumental in building the relationships that are really the foundation for sponsorship when success came later on in racing. So yes, you're you're definitely right. Kevin and Gear West, uh, as my first sponsor, played a huge part in helping me leverage that going forward when national attention uh, came my way. And the other thing I think about is, um, you know, when we talk about other pros like that are sitting close to me, like, you know, or ex-pros like Devin, he was just Devin, you know, Devin Palmer. Whereas you had, I mean, you, you, you built the DKT brand and that, that kind of was a, something that like set you apart besides just your name, you know, kind of almost a, a Maca or a Crowey. Um, I never, never knew where that, where that, that the origin of that came from. Obviously it's your initials, but was that something that you generated or did somebody else come up with that? And you just, you ran with it. Where it came from. Um, I think one of the first times I went to gear West, uh, Jonathan, uh, Cloyd, you remember him? Mm-hmm. He said DKT. And huh. yeah, I'd kind of gone by that before, but then I just carried that on from when he, he, uh, made the rhyme and I had lots of other nicknames and that one just, I, uh, it had something that was different from anyone else. So Jono was the, I didn't, so Jono's to, to blame for that or to credit Jono's to blame, yeah. or to credit for it. That's, that's awesome. For Devin has no idea who Jono is because he's a neophyte in the sport. Jono is uh, um, he's now up in Calgary, I believe, still, and he is also a very successful realtor in the Canadian market. Oh ho ho! Yes, a couple of kids up there and married. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, crashed at his house and did Ironman Canada with him back in uh, back in the day. Okay, so he's in Penticton. Uh, no, he's in Calgary. Okay, that you was when Ironman yep. was in Penticton. Though. Okay, okay, that was when Penticton. Um, so. David, one of the things that I, I think you have a unique perspective on, because you, you know, we talked about you living in the, and kind of existing in like the heyday of triathlon in Minnesota. Um, you've, you've seen some of the changes over time. And uh, what, what's your take on where triathlon was 10 years ago and where it is now and where you think it might be going? 
Well, some of the physical things that you can point to is I remember when I started, you could still show up race day, throw down $30 cash and go race and then get your race results in the mail a week later, <laughs> uh, which I, I enjoyed so that, you know, that was as the internet was uh, exploding, which rapidly changed and to chip, chip timing and instant results, um, live tracking. So the physical changes have been there and obviously bikes have changed and uh, wetsuits and all the, all the gear that we change has developed along with the sport. What I think uh, I missed the most about say at the start was the passion and the community created around triathlon. You had the people that you saw every, at every race. Um, so you could always chat and ask them what they're doing and figure out what's going on and what's new. Um, now, towards the end of my career, uh, looking at from the professional side was just the, uh, the capitalism side of it as different industries or people tried to uh, gain a monopoly on the sport. That was the hard thing to watch as you saw people who had been um, like mom and pop races kind of get driven out of the market were passionate about the athletes and cared about the athletes kind of bear the brunt of the, of the sport maturing into, uh, you know, at a capitalist market. So the good news uh, going forward, as I see it with COVID is it's still an individual sport. So it's something that people can still practice. Um, running outside is one of the few activities we've still been able to do during COVID and with cycling. Swimming is a little harder, but I manage, thankfully, we live in Minnesota. I swam most of August and September um, in the lakes around here. So as long as you had uh, a pair of goggles, running shoes, and a, and a bike, and the bike was kind of hard to find here in the spring when everyone started buying up any entry-level oh, yeah. bike or implement with two wheels that you could do outside. Um, but so there's a lot of people with equipment. Uh, so for race directors, if things open up, I think there could be uh, – could be a, uh, a lot of potential for people returning to the sport. Kind of a rebirth of the sport. It would be, it'd be nice to see. Um, hopefully, you know, as a race director, because um, I don't know if you knew since the last time we talked, I uh, acquired the Maple Grove Triathlon just so that it didn't go away. Um, oh, congratulations. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, so kind of running it as a local race, and that's kind of our, um, you know, we really focus on, you know, local partnerships and, and making it not a corporate event. Um, cause I've been a part of that corporate event and I don't, and I know you know that, um, and that, that's, that's kind of a hard thing to see. Um, it was a hard thing to, to kind of work through, but, um, well, you, it, it's interesting to hear your synopsis of the life cycle of the sport. Um, cause I, I came into triathlon in 06 as it was on a huge upswing. So I was seeing it from 06 to 2010 when there was an influx of new races, a ton of energy, and there was a feeling like, oh, there's, this is a great thing. There's money to be made. So I saw it as people were starting to get dollar signs in their eyes. Um, and even to the point I benefited from that in that a lot of the local races wanted to throw down a little cash to attract the Davids and the Devons and the Pat Parishes because they thought there was some value in that. So mm -hmm. there was a few years where you could make a little bit of cash at a local event. Um, but then over the course of a few years, things got a little too spread out, and some of that lost its value. Yeah. But in gravel racing, I quit try after 15, 
And then at 16, I went and did a few gravel races. And it was interesting. I'd done my first one in 2014 with Ross, we- Ross Weinzerl. Mm-hmm. And then by 16, it was a much bigger thing. There were more events. So gravel is kind of on a similar upswing right now where there's a ton of energy, a ton of growth. But this, some of the similar growing pains where it's losing the grassroots vibe. Yep. People are cashing in a little bit. So it's, it's interesting to watch a similar cycle repeating with that sport. I think that's probably going to happen. And, you know, that there are companies that are going to try and jump in on that. Yep. And, and people are going to try and maximize it. It's, it's funny because you see it from two different perspectives, David. You see it from the business perspective where people are trying to, you know, race, races cost a ton of money now to put them on safe. And, and, and that's something, you know, there's, some, there's like a dollar sign you have to come over. Um, but from the, the professional side, it has become almost impossible for an athlete to live. And I remember you coined this term a long time ago. You called yourself a professional. Um, but it's, it's almost impossible now for an athlete to try and have a professional career outside of the Ironman distance. Yep. Um, do you, uh, do you see any, any going back to that, or do you see that ever changing, changing and going back? Or is, are the days of people racing Olympic or not, um, not, uh, not in the Olympics, but racing international distance and sprint distance, or being a pro, are those gone? Yeah, I think the, you know, the market is cornered and, uh, I think you can still race, uh, ITU or the international triathlon union races that, um, you know, mainly happen in Europe and race for the national team and go at Avenue. And then when these races say pop up, like, uh, the Daytona race that just happened, uh, you can then transition over, but you can't string those races together and make a career out of it like you could when I was there, you know, a lot of those, you know, lifetime series went away. If you want video series went away. And then a lot of those races that had national attention and big sponsors before regionally, say like Philly, um, LA, Boulder, uh, a lot of those races uh, don't exist or don't exist in the same capacity. Dairyland, those races don't exist. So you can't, you can't uh, do what I did anymore. Uh, for a young kid, you're going to have to come up and do uh, yeah, a few races or yeah, go straight to Ironman. And uh, I don't know if you can even put a, uh, a living together racing Ironman unless you have some corporate sponsors that are funding most of your daily operating expenses, where I won most of my money from actually winning races. You're probably going to need to string together some sponsors that We'll cover your day-to-day living expenses. Yeah, <clears throat> and your know, prize money isn't going to cover it. And I know some nat- some national federations outside of the U.S. actually help those athletes kind of in day-to-day pieces. And we don't. And obviously, USA Triathlon doesn't do that, um, which makes it harder to to watch because I mean, it's been a long time since we've had. I think was it Tim DeBoom was the last American to win in Kona. I think. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Ben, yeah, Ben Hoffman came close. He was third, and yep. uh, Tim O'Donnell. But those guys are not. You know, they're old. They came up when I was there, so they're still living off that development, the sponsors they had developed during the heyday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's. I don't see too many younger U.S. Yeah. males or females. I mean, it, uh, it, it's because it almost seems like the pathway now has turned um, to ITU athletes 
kind of retiring and then moving into long course. You know, you see yep. the Brown, Brownlees, the Hobbies, on those guys moving there. Um, it's 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 an interesting sport to watch. It's been I don't know where it's going to go, um, but uh, it it has had its growing pains, absolutely for sure. Um, do you uh, are you are you planning on doing any more races, kind of moving forward, and when when things come back, not as a obviously in, in the pro level, but just coming back and, and experiencing. Uh, the triathlon scene in Minnesota or in the Midwest at all? Uh, um, my neighbor Thad, he'll come up with a an idea and I'll do it. <laughs> but I do anticipate more uh, do-it-yourself races. Uh, Thad and I have a good uh, back and forth on coming up with impossible tasks as we get older. One of them was to do five, or excuse me, ten five hundreds in an hour. So 10, 500s on six minutes. Yeah, that's kind of been in the hopper. Ouch. We used to do the tour. You guys, uh, hey, David, no one knows yeah. fun like you guys. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. The, the tour of Minnesota, that was, that's been a while since we've done that. We try to run, run do a race. You know, it's uh, not really a race. It's more just uh, we play like we're having the tour, and we ride every day about 100, 100 miles for a week, and then whoever can actually finish the week wins the Ooh, I like wins that. the event. You know, the the family the family usually takes takes one or two people out of the the event, um, or just uh, total totally sore and destroyed by Saturday or Sunday. You know, I think uh, yeah, Thad, we're trying to do that in the summer. Could you guys do burly races? No, Thad's kids are grown. Yeah, that'd be that'd be, that'd be a great equalizer. <laughs> Thad's got to pull his grown kids in the burly. <laughs> so Thad, I yeah. mean, David, we should take a moment to acknowledge Thad. Thaddeus. I mean, he just turned 65 years old, and he is still slim and trim <laughs> and riding and running. He's so fit for his age. Mm-hmm. David, would you mention Would you mention that I gave him that shout-out? Uh, oh, yeah. That, that'll track this down. He, he uh, forwards me all triathlon news. So he'll know. He probably already knows somehow. Oh. Well, if you guys want to, I would love to have you guys uh, – duke it out in either a super sprint or a sprint or the international maple grove this year which will be uh august 20 and 21st there's a kids race on the friday by the way splash and dash no time it's just kind of for fun are you rolling out the red carpet right now i am rolling out all red carpet wow. and and i'm also rolling out the unicorn swim buoys which the kids get to swim around oh kids swim around unicorns. so you will give david and i each a comp entry into the kids race um that you need a yeah and i will give you a a a 50 off coupon that you can apply um but it would it would be it would be fun to have you out there david and and um and i know oh, yeah. when, when is the what's the day and time august, so it's uh, august 20th and 21st it's a friday saturday the kids race is friday evening and the uh, the adult race is saturday morning it's uh weaver lake in maple grove and um it is uh, www.maplegrovetry.com because some dork hacker still stole maplegrovetriathlon.com and awesome. refuses to give it up, um, but maplegrovetry.com. Chris, who won the inaugural, inaugural Maple Grove in 2010? I think Macca won it, didn't he? Was it Macca or was it Devin Palmer Remax results? I don't know. It could have been. Was, he, it, no, uh, was that the year Macca dropped out? No, that was 2011. That David, did you ever get a chance to race one of those TriStar 111s? 
Right, so it was a phony European no, season. It was a K swim, 100K on the bike, and a 10K run. They, you know, some someone with money over there came up with that idea. It's not a bad idea, especially for Europe, to minimize the swim and maximize the bike. They thought it would be a good participation starter. Um, but it was the TriStar 111 series, and they brought it over here. They somehow got um, linked up with the Maple Grove folks. So they did one, I think the only year that event existed, uh, they had one of those here. For, that was 2011. So I got to race. Mike Twelseek, who just housed everyone, because uh, it's a hundred k of biking, and then um, a bunch of other jabroni pros at my level, and then uh, <laughs> and once then, again, the, uh, the the remarks of Devin Palmer do not reflect on Chris Swartho coaching or Final K Sporting Services. Or I was third. Podcast. I was third, so they were jabronis, legitimately. Like, come on. So, and then Maca was there, but he was just on his book tour at that point because um, he was pumping his book about how he's a genius for winning the twenty ten. Um, Ironman world champs. So he he starts the race, swims. Mike just passes and drops him on the bike. I passed him maybe 30K into the bike, and he was like kind of sitting up, goofing around, and I was like, you okay? And he's like, my back is gone, mate. <laughs> and then it was by the time he got to transition and dropped out, it was some other story. But then he claims he jumped into the sprint and won the sprint. <laughs> Well, he did. He jumped in the water. He actually went out of transition and then started the sprint and then raced the sprint over. Yeah. It's kind so of funny. We're doing whatever he's doing. I still haven't finished that book, by the way, that Todd Olson gave me and then made oh, me pay Matt, 25 bucks he, for. He, I love that. He's such a big character and he's such a like unrepentant liar. It's so funny. Well, I mean, honestly, he could be the only person that's been accredited for starting a bar fight after Kona by pimping up uh, Stadler. Yeah, he, he goes up to start a fight with a German, like, I'll beat you any time, any day. And the and uh, Stadler's like, yeah, the race was yesterday, and I just, I won. I know. <laughs> well, and then Stadler goes and cries afterwards and has some, maybe some of the best, which I still, still don't know why we don't have any memes of Craig or of uh, Norman Stadler on the side of the road. It go was, with a Jew and go, There's, why is there so much glue on the tire? Too much glue on the tire. It was <laughs> another flat. Was that 05 or 07? I think that was 07. That was a, that was his uh, last. That was his last year with Try Dubai. That was pre memes. Oh, but somebody should create that. Can I can I get in a few quick fire questions with David here? You can do quick fire questions. Because listen, David, he's I mean, let's see, I'm mid thirties, so David's late forties now. So he's he's just he's wiser than me. An undisclosed age. He's an undisclosed age, undisclosed location. He's got double the kids I have. He was faster, so it's like so he's twice the man you are. In other words, he's he was faster. He's got more kids. So his opinion matters, right? Mm-hmm. So, David, I'm a rookie dad, okay? I'm 18 months into parenthood here. What is your top parenting tip for a rookie dad? Oh, patience. Patience. Unknown patience. Um, and let's talk about you that. Have, you have, you, Good you have Good a answer. girl. And just, for, just for example, to illustrate my point, uh, yesterday I made special pancakes, ninja pancakes with... Nutella, whatever assortment of sweets you want to put on it. And then I think I poured the orange juice into the wrong, wrong cup, right? No big deal. Now that, that deserves a punch in the groin and you're the stupidest dad ever. Yep. You got to take that with a smile, Devin. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Svea was having a full meltdown in uh, Thea's arms this morning. She wanted to walk around and eat her little peanut butter sandwich. She didn't want to sit. So it was like either you finish the sandwich and walk around or it, it was just she was un she couldn't accept the combination of 
sitting and eating the sandwich or walking and not having a sandwich. Very difficult. Okay. So patience, you think I should... But, I mean, David, when we rode together, you were the least patient person. So is this something you've had to cultivate a little bit? Devin, like I said, parenthood changes you. Changes you. Did we lose him? Nope, nope, nope. Okay. No, I'm there just listening. You know, you guys make me look good if I just shut up. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, uh, your top tip for staying fit post-racing. Post racing, oh, just consistency. That's why I'll probably still up sign up for one race uh, just to put on the calendar, so you can do that backwards plan and keep yourself motivated uh, to work out uh, in the the dreads of winter here. Uh, so just maintain consistency and make yourself accountable by some way. Even if I I fork over some money to do a race, that'll just keep me honest. Good answer. And a little bit every day. Good answer. Good answer. Anything is better than nothing. I'm going to family feud it in the background. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. And Chris, I mean, <laughs> technically Chris knows better than all of us because he's got four kids. And I've got zero fitness. I just backwards. I just say, you know what we're going to do? We're do beer hockey. I'm going to do a couple of Peloton workouts that are 20 minutes long on my phone, and that's what we're going to call a day. Because you, yeah. you you've got the biggest numbers with kids. You're maybe arguably... No offense, but you were the slowest on the call. So I was middle speed, lowest kids. David was fastest speed, middle kids. You were highest kids, slowest speed. It, it's bad enough that Kevin called me podium because Jerry made fun of me at uh, at Timber or at uh, at um, Turtle Man one year when he's like, "Oh, there's SCS Multisport." It's like, and Chris, he's not going to ever be on the podium, but let's just talk to him over while he's grabbing <laughs> Oreos in the food tent, like. Damn you, Jerry. You're an idiot. I hate you. Now, with Kevin and Jerry, you cannot let either of them get a factoid like that because neither of them will ever forget. Kevin still, David can attest this, Kevin still has never let me live down the fact that I could not create a selfie with the Sears building in the background as we're driving through downtown Chicago on our way to MIT. I'm in the sunroof, and I had that digital camera, and I'm trying to take it. I'd hand it down to David. He goes, nope. (laughs) <laughs> and in fact, like, nope. <laughs> that must have taken, like, what, 15 tries? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, one more. One more. One more. One fire. more. And this one, David, this is one you've really aced, so I'm interested to hear your perspective. Top tip for quitting social media. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I never was a fan of it, uh, but it wastes too much time. So you, you can either just throw your phone in the toilet and flush it um, and uh, just pick up a good book and let it, let it die or just have four kids. That's another way you can do it. That's one. <laughs> that's another way to go. And then you just die slowly because your kids take it away from you like vampires. And it's funny, David, yeah. it, it's been several years since either of us has chatted with you, but with a lot of other acquaintances from triathlon, I'm much more appraised of their current life goings on because of social media. But you, being the kind of Gen X boomer that you are and completely quitting your online presence, it's like you're truly a man. In this era, you are a man of mystery only because you don't overshare life information for no reason. I would say unicorn. He is a unicorn. You are a unicorn. One of the best things I've ever done. I, I look at that every day and I'm like, oh. Yes, I'm so glad I'm not on that. And it would, I mean, it, it must be, it would be harder if you were there and to step away, but you never were there. I mean, you were always no, very... No, he was begrudgingly there, and he did a very yeah. 
I would say the most, so good the most social thing I've ever seen from David was his, like, you know, four times life-size poster of him on his old yellow bike in the spin room that Brom had at Lifetime in, uh, in, in Chaska. Did you, that was like, I mean, I remember going there, and it's like you look over, and it was like a 10-foot-high head of David on his old yellow bike the first year I think you did Lifetime. And I was like, oh, that's kind of ominous. And that, was, that would have been like the ultimate like, screensaver right there. So, David, I have successfully quit Twitter. I deleted it off my phone. Because Twitter, there really is nothing there. There's no value. I was, the last two or three years, post-triathlon, I'd still been on Twitter. And almost daily, the only reason I was on Twitter and the only thing I did on Twitter was harass Brad Culp. Oh, God, it's terrible. Just, I cyberbullied him. And I, it's a man I've never met. I probably never will meet. I like oh. him a lot. But boy, oh, boy, did I cyberbully him. <laughs> You you really lowered your brand doing that. It was fun though. And he did. loved it. He loved every minute of it. So he says. You're lucky you still have a house. You didn't burn it down. You were you were David, you should have seen this. He was like he was a schoolyard bully. <laughs> Devin wouldn't let it go. Devin, in order to like like I would say quantify his adultness, had to give it up because everybody thought he was a snarky SOB. Like he was like, that's who they thought he was. Like, is that really Devin? And I'm like, yep, that's really Devin. <laughs> Also, people will come show you their phone. Do you know this Devin Palmer? <laughs> do you know? I'm going to hit this do guy you, when do I you see know him. him. I'm going to punch him in the face. I'm going to punch him in the mm-hmm. baby maker. You dirty pirate. Mm-hmm. All right, David. I, I we've we've occupied so much of your time today, but that I I can't say how how nice it is to have been able to to catch back up with you. And thank you for uh, um, for saying yes to to chatting with us today and being on being part of the program. Uh, I hope to see you in the future uh, this summer when things come going out. And if you want to uh, pull burlies and go on a mediocre, slow bike ride some point in time, just uh, just hit me up and hit Devin up because we, we know we know we know things. We've spotted that David does ride still. He didn't even have a burly. We didn't go with burlies last summer. No, we but could. I but but that's that's one of the things I found hidden training. Pull your kid in a burly. Secret training. Mm-hmm. Secret training. Secret training. So. David, do you have anything you want to push, pimp, or uh, or sell to anybody at this point in time that we have not allowed oh, you no, to do? I'm, I'm done with that lifestyle now. <laughs> it would have been, if you had retired uh, to multi-level marketing sales, I would have been so delighted. Oh. Just. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, if, if, I would say if anybody wants to know the secret recipe for Ninja Pancakes. Um... It's davidthompson.isogenics.com. <laughs> 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 I thought is I suggest I thought you were selling Shackley now. Oh Shackley.dkt.com <laughs> backslash discount code. Uh David, so good to talk to you. So good to catch up with you, man. All right, likewise. Pleasure, guys. All right, buddy. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Wow, that was fun. Wow. That like was... A, that was being part of a piece of history. That was a huge piece of history. Like that's like that was a big thing. Um, you think he'll come back and do the race? TBD. Uh, TBD. I think it'll happen. I think it's a perfect timing when he's talking about his reverse periodization or reversed planning. I think, you know, August 20th, 21st works perfectly in that timeline. If you, I think the more important hook there is getting Thad involved. Yeah. Because where Thad goes, David will go. So if, we, if you can get Thad registered, you have a way better shot again, David, to show up on that day. Well, Thad's done a lot of my races. And he is, like I said, he is really fast for a guy. He is super fast. He's super fast. 
Um, he might be just as elusive as David is, though. He also has zero online presence. Very zero. Zero online presence. So we'll have to reach out. But anyways. Isn't there something you respect about someone who's created a life where they don't need to be shilling something online? That's awesome. <laughs> I know. Like, I'm oh. like, I, it's so refreshing. I want to give it out there. Like, you know, he he gave his time to us and, you know, I like, you know, give him the opportunity. But I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's great. Because you and I both live in a world where we we just have to be self promote. That's just what it is. We're self-promoters. And it's I don't begrudge that, and it's I uh, I like it, and I'm not uh, I have no issue with it. But there are times when you look at it, and it's like, oh, you've created a career where you can just be quiet. Yeah, that's a uh, man. That'd be like like a Walt Whitman style lifestyle. That'd be nice for you for big hey for big personalities like you and me. I'm not a big personality. Yeah. Big personality. Big personality. No. Um, your your podcast is called Be Better. Okay. Yeah, that was actually started out as a slam, you know, right? That was something that Mike Ladendorf would yell at me when I was racing, when I was racing cyclocross. He's like, just be better as he was throwing beer at me. He's like, just be better. Like, that's how you'd heckle me. That's legitimately where this name came from. And then Melania Trump stole it from me, but whatever. I'm not bitter. Anyways, so anyways, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Um, so Cycling Dads Podcast, you'll be coming on soon. Someday. Every Monday, the Cycling Dads Podcast yep. publishes every Monday. Chris will be a future guest. Someday. I've yet to receive any sort of formal invitation or Are you playing anything. hard to get right now? Will we record Tuesday morning? Playing hard to get. I'm sitting here in my pajamas in front of you after giving you free coffee. What the hell? I'm not. I think I, I feel like I've been not begging, but like silently fawning. All right. Well, we will roll out the the Cycling Dads podcast. Will roll out the red carpet for you. I better I better see the uh, high level equipment that you see here in front of you right now and free good coffee. We zoom it in. We're a Zoom podcast. Yep. You are so low tech. Yep. Jesus. Well, the I mean, the realistically, we we had to do that. Um, I get it. Because there's we have two hosts, so to have two hosts and then a guest every week, mm-hmm. uh, there's no way we were going to be able to triangulate three people's schedules, um, especially since everyone involved is going to be a dad. It is difficult. Um, unlike us, which you know, two people who have no real you know day to day job. Final K, Remax results, no big deal. No, it just, just kind of happen. It just kind of happen. We don't have office hours, so. All right, Devin, uh, thank you so much for getting David on. That was a, that was a big My win My pleasure. Today. Big win today. So, uh, you know, I don't need to pimp De- uh, Devin out anymore. He's already told you that he's Remax results and Cycling Dad's Monday podcast, all that good stuff. So, um, once again, thank you so much for being a part of our, 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 uh, our listening audience today. And we look forward to another fun podcast. We look forward to seeing you guys out in, out in person and in uh, weather that is not uh, negative double digits. So uh, for myself, for Devin Palmer, and for David Kennedy Thompson, just like to say, please be better. <laughs>